This is Control Structure, episode 76 for December 16th, 2014. Big week to everyone listening. This show has show notes. Visit thenexus.tv slash CS76 to see them. I am your host, Andrew Bailey, and this week, please welcome with me his mediocre return to podcasting, Ryan Rampersat. I'm, I'm back. I'm here. Good. Can you hear me, everyone out there? All, everyone listening? I'm back. Is that, is that, is that like mad in the background? Is that, what, is that what that's supposed to be? Uh, no, those are the listeners cheering for you. Oh, is, is, is that what it is? Oh, that was, uh, man, two listeners then. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, how's the retirement been in the midterming? Uh, it, this, this midterming, uh, has actually been, uh, frequent and long, and I'm glad it's almost over. Well, uh, I have, I, I have two more final midterms on Thursday. Oh, uh, well, uh, do you feel like doing a show? I would love to do a show. It will take my, uh, mind off of biogeography, which I've been studying all day. Ah. Uh. Sounds kind of interesting. I'm not... Global warming is a thing, as it turns out. Yeah, kind of. That, that's all I learned from this class. <laughs> wow, that yeah. was kind of bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, let's see. We I haven't heard you since, well, a long time. So, uh, I think the last episode of ATN that I recorded was on October 10th. Something like that, yeah. So uh, Thanksgiving happened. Yeah, how was that? Uh, well, I had a lot to eat, and Good. I went over to my uh, parents, and they had shoes! Shopping, 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 shopping. So, uh, yeah, how about you? Uh, I think I had Thanksgiving, but during Thanksgiving, I was developing an Android app, so I was pretty busy. Uh, I suppose I had something to eat, and uh, I'm pretty sure I got some pizza. You know, typical stuff that we do here. Yeah, aside from yeah. any podcasting, of course. Well, that's that's atypical now, so that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, did you have any coffee? Um, well, I, I did have some, uh, uh, what is that place called? Costco coffee. It's really cheap. Comes in bulk containers. Right, bulk bags. Bulk bags. It's not really in a bag. It's more of a can, so bulk can. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't drink coffee, but, uh, I've noticed these Keurig machines just sort of taking over the world. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, there's been a lot of controversy around the, quote, version 2.0 models. They apparently only accept official cups, like, only blessed by the manufacturer or something. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how they are essentially doing the, uh, like, the printer uh, cartridge model. Uh, in which, like, the printer cartridge will self-destruct if it empties and you try to refill it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which, apparently, Lexmark uh, had a few lawsuits over, and I believe they lost them all. Good. Um, and uh, so they are essentially doing not only the printer uh, model, but also the Razer model, in which they sell the, like, actual, like, the large object for really cheap, but then make it up in the uh, media or the things that you use on it you know it, there's also another way to think about it too in a in, in a very obtuse way it's kind of like the itunes model where you you know you, you get a song for 99 cents you get your cake up for dollar 50 you listen to it you drink it and then you need a new one pretty much but uh like the like the k cups like sort of subsidize the larger machine because if the yeah. larger machine was actually sold for what it you know actually cost to develop and manufacture, um, hardly anyone would buy them. 
Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't really know if it's worth it. I don't think it is. So uh, apparently a lot of people have uh, like sort of figured out how to like manufacture these K-cups. So Keurig wanted to like eliminate the competition, uh, so to speak. Uh, so they developed this 2.0 model, which apparently has some sort of infrared mark on the top, uh, like on the very top of the K-cup. That's pretty cool. Uh What's even cooler is that this mechanism can be defeated with a replay attack. In other words, like, cutting up a piece of the, uh, like a spent K-cup. So a real one. And taping it to, like, Mm. the sensor on the inside. That is hilarious. So it looks like my office might actually be getting one of these because our Keurig machine broke just this morning. Oh, well, I know, I know what you're going to be doing to it. Well... I don't really care because I don't drink coffee, uh, nor do I watch TV. So, yeah, have fun. Yeah, I don't really drink coffee either. It's hot. Yeah. Yeah. So. I can't drink hot things. Uh, so uh, even though this isn't really the uh, innuendo show. You mean the gaming show, right? Yes, that one. That one. Uh, occasionally, I do like to talk about games. Uh, and uh, a few times I have mentioned the Humble Bundle. And uh, just this past week or so, I think I just got this in the newsletter today, that the Humble Bundle has surpassed $50 million donated to charity. Wow. So, and I believe uh, that's over $100 million to developers. So uh, how long has this uh, been going on for? This has been going on for three years, I think. Hmm. Um, like I have to look back in my uh, archives because I... I purchased the very first Humble Bundle, and uh, thanks to thanks to these guys, uh, like ninety percent of my Steam library, I haven't even uh, like launched or even played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have downloaded them though, uh, because yes, just so you can back them up. Yes, because Backup Awareness Day. <laughs> for this week's LOL Apple. (laughs) So, uh, last time uh, this podcast had uh, talked to you about the, uh, like, a lawsuit involving iPods and how in, like, 2006 or so, the, uh, I believe it was the real networks had uh, somehow defeated the DRM on iPods Mm -hmm. and had somehow, uh, like, you know, essentially reverse engineered all of that. But then, you know, Apple came out and said none of this and released an iTunes update that essentially ruined all of that. Yep. And there was a class action lawsuit about that. Uh, so like anyone who bought an iPod between 2006 and 2009, I think, uh, was eligible for this. But apparently they could not find enough people. Ouch. And- and uh, only by the news report on Ars Technica did someone actually step up to replace, like, some of the plaintiffs who had been, like, uh, thrown out or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the whole lawsuit has been thrown out. Um, the jury found that, you know, I- Apple iTunes 7.0 constituted a genuine product improvement. Uh, so, you know, 
you know, granted the uh, like the whole thing is ridiculous, though, because, you know, iPods actually play unencrypted music, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it be MP3 or that AAC, whatever, you know, it can play them unencrypted uh, right. along with the iTunes bot uh, DRM files. But uh, in in a way, you know, Apple, you know, I hate to be an Apple apologist. It just makes me want to fume. But Apple is not the bad guy here. The record industry wanted this DRM stuff on there. Mm -hmm. Because Apple, just a few years later, decided to get rid of the DRM on all their music. Yeah, and I think it wasn't even, uh, I think it was uh, not long after, uh, like, this update released. I think it might have been somewhere in 2008 or 9 or so Mm -hmm. that they just decided, okay, everything is, you know, uh, DRM free. And I think they also doubled the bit rate. Uh, on all of their songs. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I remember back in the days when I used iTunes as a child. <laughs> yeah, and, how ridiculous. It, well, so A, that I was a child, and B, that I used iTunes, I agree. And, you know, iTunes like five, that was the best. And then from there on, it just got worse and worse to use. So maybe it was a, uh, genuine product improvement, but still, iTunes is still awful. Yeah, and meanwhile, I've just been using Winamp for 20 years, so... It's, it's, uh, is that still around? Did yeah. that ever get, uh, rekindled? Uh, no. Um, okay. at least I don't think. The yeah, website, but, uh, the website still looks the same as it did, like, a year ago or whatever. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, anyways. Uh, the SSD endurance experiment. Uh, we've been sort of following this along for a little while. Uh, that the tech report, uh, has, I believe they started out with either six or eight, I think it was eight SSDs. And they're like, okay, like everyone knows that, uh, like these flash memory cells only last a certain amount of writes Mm -hmm. before they, you know, you know, ostensibly like explode or something. And, uh, they decided, you know, let's test this. Let's see how long. Uh, you know, uh, drive will last in a very heavy write workload. And, uh, it seemed like two of these drives, uh, made it to two petabytes. Hmm. So the, I believe the last article was at 1.5. So for our listeners, what, what is the petabyte? A petabyte is like a million gigabytes, I think. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of data. Well, let's, uh, uh, stand by while I look up Wikipedia. A petabyte, uh, let's see, it is 10 to the 15. Uh, so yeah, 1,000 terabytes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 1 million uh, gigabytes. Um, so uh, yeah, it looked like uh, two of these four drives, they uh, dropped out. And all the uh, the ones that survived, their uh, like reallocated sectors are like way high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's obvious signs of decay. But, uh, you know, like 75% of the uh, initial starting pool has uh, dropped dead. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, when, you, when you look at, like, for example, the Kingston HyperX 32K or 3K 240 gigabyte model, you can see this really nice graph of all of the reallocated sectors, failures, erase failures, and uncorrectable errors. Yeah. Yeah, it's not looking good there after uh, 900 terabytes. Just it just goes downhill. Yes. Um, but uh, meanwhile, in real world usage, 
my OCZ Vertex 4 has uh, been going for two and a half years, uh, which uh, apparently it was not long after I got it, I discovered that apparently everyone hates OCZ. Uh, apparently their products aren't worth crap, and they, you know, drop dead like flies all the time. Is that so? Uh, but mine's still going good, so... I have, uh, in this computer, I think I have a Crucial, like, M4 or something. Cool. And then I have uh, an M4 in my mom's computer also. And they've been uh, going around for two-ish years also. Um, see, then, if you recall, I... Airplane fly over. Yeah, apparently, uh, the powers at the airport decided to run the planes up the parkway again. So now I get airplane flyovers all the time. And garbage trucks. Uh, garbage cart trucks were a constant, although the guy who has been driving them has been got getting a lot better because he doesn't back up anymore. That's pretty impressive. So uh, either that or the people on the other side of the parking lot uh, like sort of don't park in front of the mailbox there, so he has more room to turn around. Uh, anyways, uh, if you recall, my mom had... Uh, uh, I gave her, I think it was like a crucial M500 or so, mm-hmm. uh, 240 gig. Uh, I believe that was over the past summer and it was like maybe $110 or so. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, you know, it's been working out pretty well. That's good. I'm glad. So, uh, moving along here, speaking about storage, Backblaze, our favorite, uh, backup awareness day company. Pretty much. Uh, they have been, uh, Occasionally, they uh, release uh, statistics on the drives that they happen to be using uh, at the time. And by happen to be using, I mean the drives that they happen to be buying at the time. Uh, they uh, have decided to, you know, uh, speak up a little bit about the six terabyte drives, specifically the Western Digital Red six terabyte and I believe the regular Seagate six terabyte model. And uh, came to a very interesting conclusion that even though the Western Digital Drive spins at a slower speed than the Seagate, that the Western Digital Drive is actually faster in a data transfer sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they uh, like there's some speculation about this in that since the Seagate Drive spins faster, it creates more vibration, and since you have 45 of these drives in a single box that a slower-spinning drive might actually be better for you. You know, it's kind of interesting to think about performance when you get to that kind of scale. Like, you have enough drives, it doesn't really matter how fast they are, because who's going to be needing their data at a premium rate when they're even downloading it back through the Internet? Well, not just that, but uh, uh, you know, just the overwhelming demand of people uploading their data. Right. You know, when you That's have, like... Speed. When you have thousands, if not millions of customers, I'm not sure uh, how many customers Backblaze has, uh, but it's enough to uh, think, uh, believe it be like one and a half gigabytes per second, mm-hmm. like average over a day. Yeah, they, they had a number here. Uh, every day, the amount of customer data Backblaze stores is uh, 130,000 gigabytes. So, yeah, uh, yeah. a lot. Uh, uh-huh. So... Uh, you know, like I've sort of looked at, uh, the, how should I say, the units that uh, Backblaze 
puts their drives in. It's not a off-the-shelf kind of thing. They actually manufacture their own rack units. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, essentially a box with a whole lot of slots in them uh, for hard drives. And they just, you know, put them all in and uh, shove them all into a rack somewhere. Although, you know, like a fully loaded unit must weigh like three tons or something. Because hard drives, like especially when you get a lot of them, weigh a lot. They do. I have first-hand experience with that. Matt's tower, he put a handle on it. I've had to pick it up. It weighs a ton. And how many hard drives is in there? He has six, uh, two terabyte, or yeah, two terabyte each drives. Uh, see, two terabyte drives. Just as an interesting side note, just this Sunday I had the, uh, uh, the case off of my server, you know, open. And I realized that I had uh, two two terabyte drives in there that I just wasn't using. That's always a great discovery. Yes, I totally had forgotten about that since I had upgraded to the four terabyte drives, uh, which, you know, I swap with the external drives occasionally yep. mm-hmm. uh, off site. But uh, yeah, anyways, uh, back to the uh, Backblaze experiment here. Uh, so it looks like they're going to be ordering a lot of these Western Digital Reds, and it looks, and they also mentioned that, uh, uh, uh see, we had mentioned earlier a Hitachi 8 terabyte, uh, model that's filled with helium. Yep, I remember talking about that on ATN. And, and, uh, it seems like they have ordered 45 of these, uh, for testing. Uh, but, uh, they say that the, their unit price is still a too high for cost-effective deployment. Uh, but thanks to the return of a relentless decreasing hard drive pricing curve, it might just be a matter of time. And, uh, Seagate has also released an 8 terabyte model, uh, using shingled magnetic recording, uh, which is, like, sort of an interesting, uh, technique in that, uh, like, it sort of eliminates the margins between the data tracks, mm-hmm. so, like, they can be squeezed together. Uh, but with the downside of, like, if you need to write something, you need to write a lot more. Is that is that one of those uh, things where they almost overlap part of the data? Yes. Yes, okay, yep, I remember so that. So, it's exactly like shingles on a roof, in yep. that, like, if a shingle on the middle of your roof is bad, you need to remove all the shingles above it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it might be a good for a write once, read many, uh, yep. type of, uh, workload. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Also, I want to, uh, deprecate Backblaze, at least their blog here, in that their, uh, encryption on their web server is just horrendous. It, uh, only supports, uh, 3DES and RC4 encryption ciphers, which are old and broken. Well, well, you better tell them. And Firefox panics because of it. Oh, does it? Wow. Um, at least mine. I'm not sure about a fresh install, but uh, I have heard on other forums that uh, uh, that other people are having problems also. Well, since I never use Firefox, let's uh, let's give that a shot here. Uh, it appears to load just fine. It isn't, you know, putting up any error messages or anything. Hmm. Yeah, so- it's, it seems to work. Hmm. Might, they might have changed it in the past day or two it's been up. Uh, but uh, anyways, you might want to use Google Chrome. And you might want to use it before Google decides to discontinue and uh, deprecate Google, Google Chrome uh, for something new. Uh, like they're doing with OpenID 2.0. Uh, 
apparently you uh, will no longer be able to use their uh, OpenID 2.0 API come April 20th, 2015. Uh, instead, they uh, suggest people to move to the OpenID Connect or the, uh, uh, I believe that's a code name for the OAuth 2.0, uh, or also Google Sign-In. Yeah, of course they're pushing that, which is funny because it used to be Google Plus Sign-In, mm-hmm. but, you know, nobody's counting anymore. Uh, yeah. Does this affect you at all? Like, Not really. Does this uh, affect anyone? Uh, not that I know of, but, uh, you know, you've, you've seen the various, you know, sign-in with some other service, uh, you know, using OpenID or whatever. Uh, to a bunch of sites, so this... I don't think I've ever used OpenID for anything. Uh, I haven't used the OpenID official site, but I have used the API to connect to, like, other services. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I've only toyed around with it. Um, and the, uh, uh, e-commerce platform I work with at work, uh, they actually have, uh, OAuth support built in now. Mm. And they have for a while. Uh, yeah, but... so, uh, OAuth is the future. Uh, but, uh, surprisingly, none of our clients have, uh, have, uh, asked to implement it. It's a complicated future. Uh, so, but then again, they moved. Uh, the, nice. the joke around the office is, uh, like one of our clients, uh, like they were always, like, assaulting us, like, asking, like, really trivial questions, like, every day. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they stopped. And uh, they, uh, like, didn't actually communicate on any of uh, our projects for, like, three weeks or so. And, uh, like, we asked, you know, it's like, okay, are we going to move on these projects? And turns out that they moved offices. Uh, so did they have a bandwidth issue? Uh, they might have. Uh, yeah. But oh. I think it might just be an excuse for, oh, we're too lazy. We don't want to do this right now. Yeah, especially without mentioning it. Yeah, probably. So, uh, the joke I use with, uh, my manager and back at me is, oh, they moved. They moved, (laughs) you know. (laughs) No, I didn't hear that. Uh, so, along with, uh, discontinuing APIs, you know, and Google only exists to shut down what they do, they are also discontinuing the Google Earth plugin and JavaScript API. So, this does not appear to be the Google Earth desktop application. Uh, but, uh, just the, uh, like the browser plugin and API there, uh, will be effective on December 12th, 2014. So that's already gone. And uh, no one tried. Actually, uh, has been deprecated on the 12th, but the API will continue to work on supported browsers until December 12th, 2015. So and you st- no one will cry then either. So yeah, uh, appears that the Google Maps, uh, will be fine. You know, I, I, I've used the Google Maps API. I didn't even know Google Earth had an API. There's an app on every Android phone by default for Google Earth. I've never opened it once. Hmm. I have actually used the Google Maps API several times, uh, specifically when dealing with store locators. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's great. Yes. Um, so uh, apparently something I uh, missed uh, recently, uh, if you... Uh, if you know me well enough in my, uh, uh, how should I say, not just music listening, but rather audio format preferences, I yeah, really, I, I, I really, I really like Flack. And apparently, a, uh, it's, this snuck up on me that, uh, version 1.3.1 released last month. 
the official builds make heavy use of SSE and AVX extensions, uh, speeding up encoding quite a bit. As a bonus, average file size have decreased by about 1%. So, uh, like, I've gone through some of my uh, existing music and I believe the raw uh, audio for podcasts that I store uh, and run them through the encoder. And, uh, yeah, I do notice a decrease on average. Uh, of course, some files do uh, get bigger for some odd reason, uh, but overall a little bit smaller. And uh, I was using the uh, 1.3.0 uh, uh, encoder from Rare from Rarewares. Uh, like a, it's just the website that provides uh, audio encoders. Uh, I compared that to the official 1.3.164 bit encoder and noticed that uh, it was about twice as fast. The official wow. build. Um, so this might be a function of the specific compiler that mm-hmm. the official builds are using. I believe that's GCC, uh, whereas Rarewares is using the Intel compiler. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, it uh, kind of isn't good for not Intel processors, turns out. Turns out. Uh, so, yeah, remember those SSE and AVX registers? Well, I, I, do. I put a blog post up uh, several months ago about that. So it's pretty long, but, uh, yeah, it's mostly for reference, so... So how long is it going to take for, I don't know, like Audacity to roll this uh, new version right in there? I'm not sure. Oh, uh, you mean like five years? Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, just about. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if uh, you can load your own custom encoder into Audacity or not. Well, I know the, the, the Audacity has a separate, you know, lame encoder thing. Yeah. You know, you supply due, that. Due to legal reasons. Yeah, that. So maybe if... Uh, does FFmpeg uh, use external libraries? I don't know. Uh, probably not. Yeah, then maybe not. It'll take forever then. So, yep. So yeah. have fun with that. Happy encoding. Uh, so, and just as a side note, uh, like I thought about, you know, it's like, oh, you're re-encoding your music. That's bad. You shouldn't do that. But that's only if you're encoding to a lossy format. FLAC is not uh, lossy. It's lossless. That's kind of the point of its existence. Right. So, you know, if you convert flack to flack, you've lost nothing. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I you know, you know what my least favorite file type is though? What? Well, for audio, it's the audacity files. They're the worst. Oh, well, I wouldn't exactly consider that a proper format though. Exactly. They're the worst. It's it's more like uh like Photoshop files, you know? It's worse than that even. <laughs> So, well, just don't have people play QuickTime videos. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, have you ever talked to someone in a different language and really wished that you could uh, have some sort of an automatic translation? Yes, many times. Well, no problema, because Skype can now translate for you. Si, senor. <laughs> uh so, uh, Skype on Windows 8 and the Windows 10 preview, uh, has some sort of a beta thing going on that uh, it can automatically translate between languages. Uh, right now only English and Spanish are supported, but it seems to work pretty well. Uh, so, 
the whole idea behind this is that Microsoft has been developing uh, neural networks, machine learning, and their uh, uh, speech recognition that they've been sort of kicking around for 15 years and, uh, you know, actually have something to show for it. And uh, this seems to be, uh, you know, a very practical application of this. I remember, I don't know if it was at Build or if it was at uh, a different Microsoft event, but they showed this Skype technology on stage with, like, a guy and some other lady, and, you know, they were speaking different languages, and Skype would just automatically do the translation for each other, and it was really great. So, uh, like, they have a little video here uh, between, uh, like, two elementary schools between Tacoma and Mexico City. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, they also have a more detailed post of how it works. So, and it goes, like, sort of into the depths of, like, neural networks, machine translation, uh, speech recognition, and so forth. So, and, uh, they want, uh, users of Skype to specify the languages that they use in their preferences so that it can pick up on all the stuff. So, uh, oh yes, and thank you for that link to that demo there. Yeah. So, and maybe one day it will support Welsh, so it doesn't end up like this one sign uh, in the UK that, uh, you know, the English reads, no entry for heavy goods vehicles, residential site only. Uh, but below it is a whole bunch of gibberish, which is apparently Welsh, that uh, doesn't exactly read the same thing as the English does but reads, I am not in the office at the moment, send any work to be translated. <laughs> yeah, I think they did it wrong. Um, so, yeah, this was an unfortunate accident when uh, uh, someone went on holiday uh, over there and, uh, you know, put out the, you know, auto-reply message, and someone yep. uh, took the, uh, you know, the Welsh translation of that message and decided to put it on the sign. I'm not sure if they thought that there was a very fast turnaround time for that. Uh, but yeah. You know, out of office emails are the best, especially when your boss sends you an email asking a question, you reply 15 minutes later, and you get an out of office email back instantly saying they won't be back for two weeks. <laughs> it happens, and it's the best. <laughs> This is Athenexus, episode whatever, I don't even remember anymore. Mediocre return on Wednesday, December 16th, 2014. And now, Neural Networks, maybe. This episode of Athenexus is hosted by Ryan Rampersad with guest host Andrew Bailey. Hey, Ryan. Hey, big week. Huge. Yes, it's so huge. Like, I'm having a podcast right now. So am I. Hey, that's awesome. Coincidentally, we both are having a show at the same time. And we're both talking to each other on it. Well, that's never happened before. Never. Well, I'm so glad you could join me today. Hey, that's great. You know, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, anytime. It's been like a really long time. Uh, about uh, nine weeks. Yeah, I think so. Nine weeks. I thought it was like two weeks. Anyways. Uh, no, no, no. Nine weeks. Well, nice to have you back. Yeah, midterms every day. You know how it is. 
Oh, yeah. I remember back when I was in college. Uh, those were, I was going to say those were the days, but not really. No, not really. Yeah. Um, the pay kind of sucks. Definitely. It's mostly a loss. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, hey, uh, can we get on with this? Yeah, please tell me about everything you've ever had as a gadget. Uh, well, I have this flip phone that's from, like, seven years ago that I still use for some reason. That's pretty good. Yes. Uh, a little bit newer, a little bit more higher uh, fidelity. Well, at at least this phone has a, a very distinct volume rocker on it. That's a good start. Yes. But a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more. How about a device that... Uh, sings better than CD quality sound at you. Uh, that would be good. Yes. So if, uh, you might recall South by Southwest, uh, ever heard of that? Yes, it is the most hipster convention that was used to be for tech people, but now isn't. Uh, so apparently it sort of revived its, uh, tech roots, uh, last time. That's good. And, uh, Neil Young, who is actually an old man now, uh, did a very epic rant against uh, MP3s, iPods, and compressed music in general. He uh, likened uh, them to essentially listening to music underwater, and uh, turns out that he can't really stand listening to any sort of compressed music. It must be, like, raw, and apparently he's a big fan of vinyl. Uh, but uh, he, uh, you know, wants to sort of move things forward here. Like, the iPod, you know, has been around for, like, 15 years or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things have changed, like a lot of things have gotten more efficient, uh, storage capacities have gone up by a lot. So he, uh, wants to change things. And, uh, you know, he's, he's decided to, uh, you know, do something about it. So he has launched, uh, what is called, uh, Pono Music, uh, which, uh, consists of a store and a player, uh, of which, uh, like I partic participated in the Kickstarter, that he launched just after his uh, big rant there, and it got upwards of like three million dollars or something. Uh, not three million, but six six million. Yeah, like six and a quarter million dollars. Yep, uh, like a smashing success uh, by any means. So uh, the initial order, the initial uh, batch of players have gone out, and I have received mine. So. Uh, it seems that the, uh, how should I say, the stock photos of the device, uh, really like to show off the yellow, uh, version of it. That which, would be mustard, by the way? Yes, mustard. It's, it's a very yellowish color. A uh, very mustard color? Well, I call it yellow. I'm not good with those in-between colors, okay? Turns out. So, uh, yeah, I don't watch TV, so I wouldn't know. So, so the TV has the color names attached to the screen. Apparently. Yes. Uh, but uh, I have instead opted for the black version of this, and uh, it's very different from your uh, average MP3 player or even your average uh, smartphone in that it is not a uh, like a flat piece of plastic. It is, in fact, a triangular prism of sorts. That is a triangle. I can attest to that. Yes. Now, now why is it a triangle? It is a triangle because this device is optimized for sound quality. So if you, you know, if you aren't an electrical engineer, if you have a lot of electrical wires, uh, very close to each other, there's, uh, interference that happens between those. Uh, so they wanted to make sure that everything was spaced out sufficiently that, uh, like the amplifier would, uh, you know, actually purify the music 
and like all the sound and whatnot. And uh, there's actually a teardown of this, and it looks like most of the space is ta- most of the uh, how should I say the depth of this device is taken up by capacitors and a battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's a very uh, interesting uh, device uh, in that you know it's they never said it would be thin. And, you know, it's not. So, uh. But it can still fit in your pocket just fine. Yes. And the triangular shape makes it, uh, fit very well and very solid in your hand. Uh, so. When you're, because when you're listening to your high definition audio, you need it to be in your hand. Yes. And, uh, it has this, uh, sort of, uh, plastic rubberish kind of material on it. So tell me about the, um, the, the screen. So how does how does how does it work like as an operating system kind of? It is actually based on Android. Oh wow! So uh, yeah, uh, like I'm not sure what exactly which uh, version, but mm-hmm. it is at least AOSP. Uh, there, the front of the device is covered almost half by a touch screen. Uh, looks like it might be actually TN based. Uh, so you know displays like weird uh, colors when you look at it from the sides. Mm-hmm. And there are three buttons, a plus sign for increasing the volume, a circle for pausing and resuming the music, and uh, like a negative symbol or just a line, as you said, uh, that will just decrease the volume. Uh, so uh, right now I have it, uh, how should I say, it will go to like a sort of like a lock mode after like five seconds of not, you know, touching it. Um, the battery, I think, only lasts for maybe eight hours, maybe five or so. Uh, you know, it's it's not it's not good. But then again, it's not that bad because so, five hours. Like, are you going to listen to it ever for five hours at a time? Uh, you have no idea how long my workday is, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, I just, I, I guess, I just never listen to music or anything for that long. So, um, uh, let's see. The uh, there is, you know, not only is there, you know, a player to this ecosystem, there is a store to it also. Um, so Neil Young, with uh, you know his music industry uh, connections, has decided to get together. I think it was three of the four major labels. Uh, to, you know, release music on the store. Uh, the bad part about this is that the albums on here are really expensive. Uh, like 15 to $25 each. And, uh, like individual tracks are anywhere from, uh, I think like, uh, it's mostly about, uh, two bucks per track. Uh, but what you're getting is, uh, quality that's much better than CDs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, CD quality sound is 44,100 hertz, uh, samples per second, that is, uh, and 16 bits per sample. Uh, a lot of the music in here is actually much higher than that, either 48, uh, kilohertz, uh, 96, or even 192 kilohertz. And, uh, a lot of them also have 24 bit samples, uh, also. Uh, so, like, this, the, uh, the files are also in uh, lossless format, uh, FLAC specifically, like what we just talked about. Your uh, favorite. Yes. Uh, so, like, a lot of my uh, music uh, is already in FLAC. So, you know, I just load it up on here. And, uh, yeah, it sounds great. It, you know, with a nice pair of headphones, it sounds even better. And I'm pretty sure my $100 Sennheisers 
you know, you know, do it justice, but it might not actually be the maximum quality possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, buying a very high quality headphone is now on my maybe someday list to buy, uh, along with a better chair. So, uh, any questions about this? So, the, uh, uh, it appears to me in the picture there's two um, audio ports on the top of the uh, player. What are those two ports for? Ah, yes. So, there is a headphone jack, and then there is a line-out jack, uh, oh. which uh, can... I believe the line-out jack can be at a fixed volume level, mm-hmm. uh, or you can use it as a secondary uh, headphone jack. And I believe that they also have support for a some sort of like a Y adapter that will go to an XLR balanced plug, hmm. you know, with That's those three-pronged things. Yep, I, I'm very familiar with them. They're yes. everywhere here. Yes. Um, another thing is that the player... Uh, has 64 gigabytes of internal memory. Uh, the transfer speeds to this are abysmally slow. Yeah. Like, is it USB based? Yes, it is USB based. Yeah, that's why. Uh, well, not even that. It's even slower than that, like three megabytes per second. Like, abysmally slow. Um, there, uh, let's see, I'm not sure if it's just because I was a Kickstarter backer or not, but I have an additional, uh, 64 gigabyte, uh, micro SD card, uh, because it has a micro SD, uh, slot in it. That's a nice feature. Uh, it can support up to 128 gigabyte, uh, micro SD cards. And I'm not sure if that's a hardware limitation or just because that's like the maximum capacity that is sold right now. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have uh, just gotten, I just got this, I believe it was last Wednesday, so I have, I've got it for, you know, like just slightly less than a week, uh, and I already like it. Um, like I'm trying to determine if it was worth the $300 to get it. That is a hard thing to know. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, I might have to hook it up to my, uh, you know, other surround sound system, uh, you know, just to, you know, see what happens. So I think it's kind of interesting that they decided, uh, clearly they decided to do the, the smaller 3.5 millimeter ports because they're small. But I, I've heard a lot of, um, higher end headphones also like to, by default, use the quarter inch jacks because, uh, the more surface area allows for better, you know, fidelity or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, so, you know, I guess, I guess this is because, you know, it's more of a mobile, yeah, uh, type that- of deal. So. You know, I guess at some point it was just a reasonable compromise. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some people claim that this is a cash grab and I can sort of see that. Uh, but, you know, you know, they're basically complaining that the record industry is making you pay now even more for albums that you already have. And I really don't have much music from the major labels. Uh, you know, like uh, when I originally got this, Apparently, when, uh, like, this device got shipped out to me, uh, like, to any Kickstarter backer, that, that automatically got you uh, beta access to the Pono Music Store. And I think it wasn't until after it arrived that I spent, like, $150 on the uh, Pono Music Store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, between, like, getting Christmas music and, like, actually buying music that I ripped about 10 years ago from uh, library CDs... Um, that, uh, you know, I really don't have that much, uh, you know, uh, major label music. Right. You know, I've, you know, I've spent like $300 on this thing alone. 
uh, just for the hardware, and I have easily spent less than that on music. You know... And it's not because I pirate, either. Well, yeah, you you listen to uh, different music, I guess. Yes. You, you know, I, I've seen your music uh, authorizations list. You listen to a lot of music that isn't from a label of any type. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, like, this one guy here sort of rants against this as a cash grab from the record labels, you know, and says, you know, why are you, you know, spending money here when you can go and, like, support your local band or something on Bandcamp or, like, any other site that also provides flack? And, well, I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I understand where he's coming from, too, uh, you, you know, uh, n- but, of course, normal people probably just want to listen to their favorite normal popularized artist just in fancy pants quality yeah they don't necessarily think about going out to their local band and enjoying that also yeah and uh you know it's again with the mp3 type argument that uh you know mp3 was considered good enough and uh you know you can fit a lot of them in a very small space uh, whereas flack, even CD quality flack files are typically four to five times bigger than mm-hmm. MP3s. Uh, and, you know, that varies depending on the genre. And once you start going above CD quality, like the sound, like the, uh, sound files just explode. Uh, for instance, this Frank Sinatra Christmas album that I bought is a 192 kilohertz 24 bit, uh, quality. And it, it's like six megabits per second. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty big. So, you know, these are essentially uh, studio masters in some cases. You know, the files that the... That's that's probably the best part, when you can actually hear the the true sound that came out of whatever equipment they had at the time. I think that's the most cool part about the whole thing. Yes. So, and I believe this is only to Kickstarter backers that any music you purchase from the Pono store... Uh, like if at any point a higher quality version of that album comes out, that you can just have it. That's pretty cool. So, you know, it's, you know, sort of the Steam notion that, you know, if you bought it once, you've bought it forever. Like any additional versions, uh, are yours to have. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not sure if that's like some sort of, like, other perk that will be offered in the future, but, uh, or maybe you just have to buy the player. I'm not sure. So uh, for the store, is there any kind of service? Like, do you do you uh, have to pay monthly or anything for that? No, it is that's, it is just a storefront. That's uh, good. That said, you do need to download a uh, like a actual music player that they have. I think it's like Pono Music World or something mm-hmm. that you actually have to download to download everything off of your account. Oh, that does bring up a good question. So, are, are the files dermed in any way? No. Oh, okay then. Because. That's- because I can just essentially copy the files out of the directory it downloaded to, shove them into Winamp, and everything's good. Oh, good. Uh, that said, it does have some sort of metadata on these FLAC files mm-hmm. that cause a blue light to uh, come up on the player itself. And I can actually show that for you here. Uh, let's see, how about I go over to my playlists. Uh, another thing is that uh, this uh, player... Uh, really likes to browse by album and artist, which mm-hmm. I don't organize my music like that, mm-hmm. or at least I don't listen to my music through an interface like that. It's just generally through the file system right. uh, or playlists. So, mm-hmm. Does it have any kind of like intelligent 
playlist making features? Uh, not that I know of. That's too you bad. can see the uh, light. So the there. blue light only comes on when it's one of their files. Yes. Oh, that is so cool. So, uh, and it doesn't really matter what kind of quality that it's in. Uh, just that uh, you know it was bought from the store there. So, like, I'm really interested in seeing like what tags trigger this light to come on. That that's the. Imagine if Apple did this, you know, if you're not listening to an Apple audiophile, your navigation status bar is just red, just, <laughs> just, just to annoy you. Uh, maybe. Uh, they might be facing another lawsuit with that. <laughs> but it's, it's a product improvement. Um, so, uh, you know. So, would you recommend the others to, uh, get this kind of thing? If you are serious about the quality of your sound, if you're serious about the quality of your music, and you want to listen to it in the way that the recording artist and engineer wanted you to listen to it, then definitely. Uh, I also noticed on this is that there is not even equalizer setting anywhere. Uh, there's like no other sort of sound enhancement technology aside from like maybe volume controls, like, uh, like, uh, how should I say, like stabilize volume levels like mm-hmm. throughout an album or something. Right. Uh, other than that, there's like absolutely no sound enhancement technology anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. unlike my, I think it was like my iAudio, uh, mm-hmm. player especially. Uh, like there was like, uh, like one of those things that like sort of put sound back into MP3s. Right. Uh, yeah, the, um, MP3 enhancer. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, Matt's, uh, Matt's new car has an MP3 enhancer. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like there's nothing like that in there. Um, so yeah, uh, I believe they're now selling, not selling, but you can pre-order one for $400 hmm. and it should be, uh, arriving sometime in Q1 of next year. So do you think there will ever be like a, uh, you know, a second release, like a version two hardware revision kind of thing? Possibly, um, you know, given the, you know, outrageous success of the Kickstarter, you know, mm-hmm. it demonstrates that there is definitely a market for this. Um, I don't ever seeing, I don't ever see it being as big as iPods are. Definitely. Sim- simply because Neil Young is not Apple mm-hmm. or Steve Jobs or whatever you blame Apple's success upon. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, granted, you know, Apple charges, you know, a premium price, but that's more of a, a status symbol tax, if you Generally, will. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you're actually paying, you know, for sound quality for, you know, one of these things here. Um, the interface itself, the touch screen doesn't seem to be that good. You know, occasionally, like, I'm swiping around and it, you know, misses something. Uh, you can just blame Android for that. That's okay. Well, that too. And occasionally, like, when I'm, you know, you know, shutting it down or booting it or, like, occasionally whenever it decides to upgrade the firmware, which you also must use their, uh, uh, music application for. Of course. Occasionally I'll see a, uh, black, white outlined, uh, you know, uh, pointer, mouse pointer on here in the upper left corner. That's disgusting. Yes. But, uh, you know, you know, it's a little rough around the edges. It's not polished to a mirror shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since this is like the first major touchscreen device that I have, I am annoyed by my greasy fingers uh, rubbing across it all the time. Yeah. So I noticed in the pictures that I'm looking at here, they have like a, a pretty big black border around the screen. Is that like really as big as it looks? Uh, It might be like an eighth of an inch. 
It's okay. not too big. I don't know. It just, it just really bothers me when devices have a huge black border. Um, the iPads that I see all the time have this huge, like, annoyingly big and obtrusive black border well, uh, for the screen and then the bezel. Well, uh, if you're talking about, like, the screen itself or the screen to the actual edge of the device. No, so not the bezel part, but from where the screen, black, bezel. Yeah, like, uh, from the edge of the display area to the sort of indentation in the black plastic casing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's roughly an eighth of an inch. Yeah, see, I like when my sixteenth. go actually to the yeah. sides. But I'm a little bit more annoyed by the fact that it seems like a TN display. Yeah. So, but, you know, again, you know, you bought it to listen to music and not to stare at pretty pictures of your cat. Uh, or or album art cat. Yes, or album art cat. Yeah. Well, I, I, I the only other quip I have about it is that the pause button is a circle. Yes, that is not uh, how should I say intuitive. No, no, my my user interface and design class would say that doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. So um, that also operates as the on off button apparently. Yeah, that might make more sense. So it might just be, you know, it's like, oh, we might as well merge all these functions into one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, pretty good review there. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, don't forget to submit your feedback, if you have any, uh, on the Nexus.tv. Uh, you can do so right on the uh, show note page. And uh, as mentioned, backup Awareness Day. So back up all your music files. Uh, go to your local computer. Go 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 to it right now. Take your screwdriver or just your thumbs. Open up the panel. See if there's any extra drives in there. If there are, plug them in. Even if there aren't, back up anyway. And then if there are, take the old ones out. Put those new ones in. Take the old ones, ship them somewhere else or drive them somewhere else, whatever you like. And then do the same thing again in another six months and then uh, we'll, we'll call it good. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, or else I just, uh, swap the drives whenever I go over to my parents' house. Okay, well, every f- two months. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hi, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Ryan, for being on my show. Yes, it's always fun to come on and do something different for a change. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt your, uh, podcast retirement. Uh, don't, don't, I don't think about it as retirement. I think of it as, um, midterms. Okay, uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you from your podcast midterm. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's not done yet. Uh, so anyways, uh, by the next episode, I believe it will be in that weird time between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yes, so, uh, I guess we might be having a, uh, a, a network all-stars episode. I imagine we would be having that, yes. So, and, uh, you know, the, uh, 8-Bits, uh, want to have some sort of a special thing going on for their 100th episode? Uh, they, they, um... Uh, thought of it, but then realized doing a supercut of their own would be what is known as work, and uh, a lot of it at that. So they uh, they asked their audience to find clips for them, which no one will do, so... Well, except for me, because I'm weird. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you have the high-definition audio, so of course you will. <laughs> well, except I do not have the Audacity Master Files. And aren't you glad because of that? <laughs> no! <laughs> I can send you the flax, but it will take you only four weeks to download one. <laughs> so, 
Uh, that's more your fault, but... Yeah, so. I know. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, so I will be going over to my parents for Christmas. So, uh, yeah, joy to the world, etc., etc. Um, and I think Chris might actually... Uh, this might actually break Chris's heart, because at the the uh, Panera Bread that he works at, mm-hmm. uh, like, all throughout the year, he just gets disgusted by the smooth jazz that eternally plays through the speakers. And I'm not sure he works, like, 50, 60 hours a week oh. because he doesn't want to be poor. Um, I understand. So, uh, he's kind of, he gets kind of excited around Christmas time because suddenly there's no smooth jazz. It's all Christmas music. Of course. And uh, that is unlike my mom, who is annoyed by Christmas, uh, Christmas music playing, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, winter in general, so... Yeah, uh, but you're lucky you don't have snow. Uh, yet, anyway. Yeah, well... So, we might actually have a white Christmas down here, so... Well, well you know, if it was anything like this weekend, you might have just melting everywhere Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mud Christmas? Yes, Mud Christmas. I think that is quite correct. So uh, have a good Mud Christmas, everyone. Yep, have a good one.